welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host, Freya Samuelson, and in today's episode, we speak with Robin Moffat-Wall, who's part of a small but mighty team that make up Financially Included. Financially Included was set up to help close a gap in the financial advice sector in Glasgow and tackle financial abuse as a form of domestic abuse, which I admittedly really don't know enough about. But luckily, Robin, who is the training and engagement officer at Financially Included, is on hand to tell us all about their work. The project is only six months in and Robin also sheds a light on what it's really like to start something like this from scratch and she's got some great advice for anyone out there who's in the same position. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor Work For Good. Work For Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good. Through their fundraising platform they offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses including founders, owners and sole traders who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more please visit workforgood.co.uk. Welcome, Robin, to Charity Chat. We're so excited to have you here. Um, I just wanted to, yeah, quickly just ask who you are and let everyone know about Financially Included. Hi, I'm Robin. I'm from Glasgow and I'm the training and engagement officer for Financially Included, which is a new partnership project between the Greater Easter House Money Advice Project and the Glasgow Violence Against Women Partnership. Um, I'm trained as a social worker. I then went on to work with refugees in the charity sector here in Glasgow for roughly about five years. And then I recently moved to Financially Included in January. So brand new to the project. The project's brand new itself. We all started in January. Um, It's a small, small team. So there's only four of us. Me, my project manager, and then we've got two um, advisors that give money advice to women. Um, Yes, we're in our our first stages at the moment. I think you said before that um, when we were talking before that it's actually been in the woodwork for quite a, a, a long time, though. Yeah, so a project like this, we focus on economic abuse as a form of gender-based violence. Um, And our CEO, Tony Quinn, and the Violence Against Women and Girls lead in Glasgow, Kirsty Hay, they've had a long history of working together in partnership and they had been looking at this issue. and, And basically what they saw was money advice treats you one way and often, you know, everyone's underfunded, everyone's pushed for time, everyone's got um, really difficult um, time constraints when they're working with frontline services. But what they were seeing was people are treated um, one way by money advice services and another by women's support services. So when you're fleeing gender-based violence, there's a big gap between the way you're treated and they thought we should bridge that gap. So that's the point of the project. Um, We look at the economic impact of gender-based violence as well as economic abuse as a form of of gender-based violence itself. Brilliant. And what what are those terms for anyone who doesn't know? Um, So gender-based violence. (laughs) (laughs) So um, Glasgow City Council um, work on uh, an understanding of violence against women and girls. that it's wrong obviously (laughs) and that it's a societal problem experienced by individual women and girls um it's a global issue but we look at it um at at, you know city-wide level as well 
Um, so violence against women and girls is both a cause and consequence of inequalities between men and women. By taking steps forward to tackle gender equality, um, it'll improve everyone's quality of life. There's gender-based violence um, and violence against women and girls. So you'll see GBV, you'll see Vogue. <laughs> but economic abuse, um, so it's a type of coercive control. So coercive control is a type of domestic abuse. <laughs> we should have done a flowchart. Um, so coercive control is kind of um, manipulation and a whole host of tactics that an abuser will use to control their victim. Um, and sometimes that comes with the threat or actual violence um, or, or harm to them or their loved ones. Um, but it often um, comes mm. in in like lots of little ways. So a lot of people who've experienced coercive control will talk about gaslighting, where they make you doubt your sense of reality and make you think you've gone mad um, and kind of, you know, you can't trust your own version of events anymore, um, controlling you to the point where you start to self-censor or limit your own um, activity because you're, you're, you know, tiptoeing around your abuser. So coercive control in a nutshell. Um, and a type of coercive control is economic abuse. Um, economic abuse affects one in six women in the UK and 95% of domestic abuse cases involve economic abuse. Mm. So it's a big issue. <laughs> and what that means, um, so economic abuse is the control of your finances and resources. So the control of your money and what money can buy. Uh, financial abuse is the control and coercion of your money. So taking out debt fraudulently in your name, um, credit cards, um, lines of credit that you can't afford or coercing you, so manipulating you into taking out debt or credit in your own name and then they use it or they promise to pay it back and then they never do. Um, so kind of worsening your financial situation a common one is not letting someone work that's economic abuse so limiting their ability to engage in the workforce or uh, engage in education to better their um, economic potential um, and another kind of so another example of financial abuse would be taking your wages or your benefits payments um Refusing to pay child maintenance is a very common one across the globe. Um, so there's there's lots of different types, but economic abuse can can be more than about your money. We've had cases where we've seen um, uh, women. So I talk about women because it it you know it's a mostly happening to them in the vast um, vast majority, but it can happen to anyone. It can happen to anyone of any gender of any age in any type of relationship. So it doesn't need to be intimate cohabiting heterosexual partners. It can be anyone. Um, so just a little caveat because they do use quite specific language based on what our experience is working with women. Um, so what we see sometimes is um, the abuser will take out lots of lines of credit in their victim's name, uh, disappear or deny it. Um, we had one case that was really troubling where he took the baby's car seat away so she couldn't leave the house or not 
allowing you to have a set of your own keys so you have to come and go when he does not having your own bank account is a really common one unfortunately so just being completely excluded from economic like society's economic functions um so there's a lot of ways that it can happen um and part of what we're here to do to tackle that is to think about who who's who's going to see that because if you're not working and or or you are working your wages are being taken or you're claiming benefits but that's being taken or it's a debt issue who are you going to speak to we work closely with another charity called surviving economic abuse they're based in england um and they found they did a lot of research they are um big picture looking at um policy and lobbying and research so they did some research on who victims speak to first um and banks were really high up there so they work with banks to train their bankers on how to spot economic abuse what to do about it um ways to deal with credit issues um whereas we identified an issue with um money advice because if you're needing benefits or debt advice you're going to go and see a money advice provider pretty quickly um so we thought back when i said about that gap that tony and kirsty noticed that's what we're trying to plug So as I said earlier, we've got two advisors. Um, they're kind of specialists, especially trained with working with uh, women who've experienced gender-based violence. And they are kind of piloting what best practice looks like with this group. So delivering money advice, delivering uh, personal finance advice, benefits and debt advice on a real intimate level um, to try and kind of resolve the financial impact of this because while a lot of us think the most important thing is that you're safe that your children are safe that you're out of that situation but why should a woman be financially punished for what her abuser did um why should a a woman lose her house why should a woman live with that horrific credit score for the rest of you know six years and, and beyond um so we're trying to minimize and mitigate those issues um, and then we're taking that learning and delivering what, what my job is to do is to look at that casework practice and learn from, OK, what are they doing differently? What are the needs of this particular group? And deliver design and deliver training for money advisors to bring this out Glasgow wide. Um, and we're kind of uh, we've got co-production at our core. That means we're, we're kind of co-producing with frontline women's services so your women's aid your rape crisis um and, and other charities here in glasgow and then we're also working with frontline money advice uh, money advice providers in glasgow and also women themselves who've experienced um, economic abuse so i'm looking at all of these different priorities different needs different perspectives and trying to bring them all together into this training so that we're all on the same page. And hopefully that will start to improve outcomes when women are seeking money advice. Um, and again, I say women, but everyone, when they receive money advice, if they've experienced um, 
abuse or economic abuse specifically, we should be improving responses. So early identification, joint up referral pathways, um, better case handling. So time to reflect on the case. Um, obviously, a high standard of advice is is pretty pretty much guaranteed in Glasgow. We're very good at advice, but um, taking the time to to really be mindful of how you're handling these cases, especially because there's a high level of kind of trauma informed practice that needs to happen in these cases. So just looking at that practice and improving, trying to improve outcomes for survivors. Um, so that's the kind of first, like you say, we're, we're, we're in the initial phases. We're right at the start. Um, so we're, we're looking at that practice. We're engaging all our stakeholders, consult, like taking consultancy from everyone at all times and blending it into um, what we're delivering. Um, and that first deliverable is, is the training. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll look on to next steps in the next wee bit, I think. Um, because you know what it's like, project funding's limited. <laughs> you do mm. you do your bunches of funding and then you look next. So that's where we're at, at the moment. And when the advise so their money advisors, would a woman or anyone come to them during that abuse or is it more of a after that abuse has ended? It's a mix. It is a mix. So it's really important that People know it's okay to seek support before they leave an abusive situation. It's actually preferred because leaving is one of the most dangerous times um, in an abuse cycle. Um, Leaving pregnancy and, yeah, leaving in pregnancy (laughs) are the most dangerous times in the cycle. Um, So it's it's excellent if someone's coming to to seek support while they're in it because then they'll be able to get linked up with um you know abuse uh, domestic abuse or whatever type of gender-based violence it is um support services so that they can be guided through safety planning um and also um depending on what type of economic abuse you've got it's really really useful to to catch it early because obviously the earlier you catch it the more you mitigate the financial implications so the interest can be frozen you can let creditors know you can flag it up as fraud if it's coerced debt or fraudulent debt you can try and get the police involved um because fraud's a crime So what would a money advice um, agency or company be doing to help people before this project come along? How would they handle that? There's no guidance, really. Um, They'd be doing their best. And I know it does come up. And within our team, we're we're all from a money advice background. um, So we've all come up against economic abuse and domestic abuse in our own practice. And we all just did our best. And when I'm speaking to advisors in our consultation sessions, they they do say, yeah, we try really, really hard to be, you know, mindful and trauma informed and all this other stuff. But we we don't have the knowledge to know how to navigate these cases safely, Mm -hmm. um, confidently. Um, So 
what we're trying to do is obviously improve understanding of what economic abuse is so that advisors can help recognize it and catch it early like we were saying but also um that hopefully uh we can start to do the same with creditors so i mentioned surviving economic abuse um the other charity that do work in in this area i think they might have been the first um they set up a pilot scheme called the economic abuse evidence form which is an agreement that banks and creditors can sign up to so the the bankers and the creditors and all the people that work in that area <laughs> they need to be trained by surviving economic abuse and then the money advisors also need to be trained on how to use this which means they're trained on coercive control they're trained on economic abuse they're trained on how to use the specific tool which um, breaks down what was the abuse what did it look like what was the financial implications and, and what can the bank do about it so it could be writing off debt it could be freezing interest there's there's different ways to go about it but there is no formal formal way of doing that um so that's what surviving economic abuse have done so we've signed up as the first scottish pilot for that and as part of that we are charged with trying to get creditors on site <laughs> so we've been approaching or we're planning to approach as i say we're in the very early stages of the project so we're looking at training money advisors and then we'll be looking at approaching creditors to get this training from surviving economic abuse, signing up to the project, and then also keeping an eye on outcomes and, and how it's working. Is it effective? And what other support can we do so that everyone understands um, where we're coming from? Because in the past, we've heard women say, oh, yeah, I called the bank. They passed me through to their, um, you know, vulnerable customers um, line. And they just said, oh, but he didn't hit you, did he? No, okay, okay, that's fine. So we wouldn't consider you a phone call customer. That's literally what we've heard from a woman. Yeah. So they're doing a lot of work to try and minimise that. Um, and they provide, um, I think they have a, a helpline with Money Advice Plus in England, and they work with Paid Plan as well in England to provide direct advice to women. Um, but we believe, to our knowledge, that we are the first agency to do specific bespoke advice about economic abuse in the UK, um, direct person-to-person -person services. Amazing. Um, so we're, we're trying to identify what best practice is, look at realistically how can this be rolled out because we've got two full-time advisors that just do this work. Um, how is that going to look in the wider advice sector? We all know what it's like <laughs> trying to keep contracts um, floating across project funding um, and we all know how how difficult it can be to maintain a project beyond funding cycles so we're trying to look at those issues and future proof this type of practice um, so that we don't just show up for for a funding cycle plug a gap and then disappear mm -hmm. um, we're trying to implement long-term uh, practice change um, attitude change on a wider level as well um and a more joined up way of working across the sector in glasgow amazing so this is so this is yeah your initial phase that you you say you're getting all the information that you can and it, what is that building up to what what's the time scales looking like 
the pretty tight. <laughs> so we have a deadline. I have a deadline um, for the 28th of November this year, um, which is the first Monday of 16 Days of Activism, um, where we're going to host a big event and bring the advice sector representatives from the advice sector in Glasgow and the women's support sector in Glasgow and bring them together for an event to talk about the training that we've all come together to create. Um, and hopefully it will all have come culminated into something that makes sense for everyone, understands everyone's needs um, and fills that gap in a realistic way. And we'll also have um, our citizens panel at the event, which is a group of women in Glasgow who've experienced economic abuse. And they also consult on the project to make sure that our practice is guided by lived experience and is truly representative of their um, the barriers that they have faced and their needs. Um, so we'll have this big event to launch the training. We'll build some kind of bridges across the sector, uh, an opportunity to build a network um, and start that shared understanding that we hope to to do with the training. And then the training should be rolled out in 2023 um, across Glasgow. So I think it's 13 advice agencies that we have and they're all individual charities. <laughs> so wow. I've got all of them to train and lots of them have lots of volunteers so it'll be a busy year mm. um, and we'll be doing evaluation alongside that as well to make sure that the training's actually effective um, because we've all been to training we're really oh that's very interesting and then we go back to our job and it's out of your head immediately <laughs> so we're hoping to do develop some resources in the form of a toolkit so that um, advisors can revisit it when they come across it in practice and and kind of refer back to it and, and get some kind of tools to jog the memory of, oh, okay, I know what to do in this situation. Or maybe I have some questions. Maybe we should call financially included and double check on this um, so that we've got a bit more long-term support um, to, to support that behavioral change um, that that I think is, is necessary in this without it being um, just a, a superficial effort. Mm. That sounds amazing and very yeah very busy um, very busy yeah I can't even yeah, believe it's five it. jobs yeah <laughs> I can't even believe you're only like six months in as well seven months in um yeah it like a it's, lot been a, it's been a whirlwind yeah. but it's we're really picking up momentum now because we were we did an awful lot of training because as I said we're all from a, a money advice background um I was a bit more kind of social working and things but the rest of my team were direct money advice um and so we had to all learn about gender-based violence and working with survivors and, and trauma-informed practice so the first phase was really just getting us all up to scratch and building the networks that we needed to to build to to really understand what we were doing um Amazing. because I think it's very hard to find people that are, are knowledgeable about both mm. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, Especially if you're money advice is such a yeah. <laughs> both both issues are such a level of expertise, um, which is why when we look at the training, we're not looking to make money advisors uh, domestic abuse experts and advocates, and we're not look looking to turn domestic abuse experts and advocates into money advice experts. We're just trying to find that um, shared understanding and, and kind of common goals approach. Um, to make everyone's experience of, of working with survivors a bit better and really meet those needs that um, women are telling us they have and aren't being met at the moment. Yeah. And 
so you said kind of your the start you started out in this project learning as much as you could because now you are kind of that expert I guess <laughs> um, <laughs> trying to be yeah trying to be um is there any kind of for any I, I don't know if any of our listeners are starting a new project or program or even a, maybe even a little charity um is there any kind of framework or anything that you've used to just make sure that you're going through all these steps properly and approaching it the best you can there's not a framework per se that is something I'm going to end up developing I think because there's a lot of learning in in the power of co-production from this project so hopefully in the future we'll be able to kind of publish a little bit about how we are doing what we're doing um but really the key thing was just ask people about their work people love talking about their work people are passionate about their work Mm -hmm. ask for half an hour or an hour of someone's time um I've just spent like six months meeting with folk and asking them to share with me what they know um and then scrolling away all this knowledge and and picking at it as and when I need it and another thing that I found really really useful was not reinventing the wheel Mm. so everything we're looking at isn't brand new so economic abuse as as a standalone issue is now quite new in terms of it's very under-researched, it's not really funded, there's not a lot of charities looking at this and it's not really high on any government's radar. But the, the kind of bare bones of the issue isn't new. Gender-based violence isn't new. Money advice isn't new. Uh, inequality isn't new. So let's speak to people that work with those and bring all that knowledge together. And something that I've really benefited from was I worked or I'm currently on a program with um, Third Sector Lab, um, another Scottish charity who run um, training and networking opportunities for the third sector. And they're doing an open working, open working program at the moment. So the whole idea of that is sharing what you're doing as you're doing it. So not publishing press releases at the final product, but sharing the process. Um, and starting to learn from each other and learning each other's processes. They also have um, resources on like reuse. So what's safe to reuse legally uh, without stealing people's work. <laughs> but again, nothing, nothing's unique. Mm. Um, it's very rare to come across unique things. So when you, when you find a, a body of, of research or information, speak to them read what they've done ask if you can borrow stuff I've spoken to um women's charities so like uh domestic abuse charities who've gone oh yeah just take our policy on um photo consent just take it and rewrite it and use it just ask for stuff yeah (laughs) I mean you're all working to the same goal kind of thing so yeah I think especially in the third sector we're very very lucky to all be very common in terms of our goal um so just just ask people yeah Oh. for that help <laughs> and also I feel like when you spent so many years like writing a policy or months and you're like nobody reads this and you're like oh yeah. someone's read it yay right you're yeah. so happy that yeah. someone appreciates your work so yeah. of course you're going to be like yes please, please use, use this it. this was for yeah yeah absolutely okay and is there any kind of anything you've learned over this process that you think or oh, that would really really help someone else in these difficult first stages 
give it time like it feels especially if you've come from a different type of role so I was frontline services myself and I just felt like I wasn't doing work <laughs> I didn't understand <laughs> that researching and writing and emailing was work um, but kind of learning to to reframe in my mind what work was it didn't always have to be fixing people's problems and feeding hungry children um, mm -hmm. and also um yeah giving giving things time and space to think why am I doing this am I doing this because of a different motivation why have they asked me to do this <laughs> what is their motivation and kind of really considering we get just giving time to think my boss often tells me like oh no time to think is part of your job um it just doesn't come naturally to us because we're all wearing so many different hats <laughs> mm, um, yeah building networks and building relationships. So we all talk about key stakeholders and this kind of thing, but building actual meaningful relationships with people in, in the kind of adjacent sectors to you and, and learning from them and offering your learning to them. Um, and, and kind of, yeah, we talk about networking, but making relationships with people that can help you and then also being them there to, to pay that forward at some point. One thing I would say as well for anyone that's like working on a, a kind of small scale project from the beginning with like set goals. So we've got set goals and certain outcomes that we have to achieve by certain timeframes. Um, so we're funded by Delivering Equally Safe, which is the Scottish government's um, strategy um, on ending violence against women and girls. Um, so Delivering Equally Safe Fund um, works with a lot of uh, violence against women projects across Scotland and they've got certain outcomes that they want everyone to look at or you just look at one or you look at multiple so we've got a few to look at so you've got those kind of objectives but also like I was saying earlier we want to make sustainable meaningful change we don't want to just come and do a job and leave mm. um, just keep your eye on that horizon have plans for the future try and future proof your project we're all trying to do ourselves out of a job, right? We're all trying to end poverty and end violence and end something and make things better. But the horrible reality is we're probably all going to be working hard at all of this for a very long time. Mm. So keeping your eye on that horizon, having that kind of systemic view really helps me. Sometimes it's overwhelming because mm. <laughs> the issue is so big and I can't fix it on my own. Mm -hmm. But having having an idea that, oh, if, you know, if we get an extra year of funding or maybe we'll get this, um, we could ask for, for that and maybe we could take it national. So, you know, we've got different aspirations for the project and having that kind of forward thinking, future proofing, you know, what if Scotland goes independent? What do we do then? What if it doesn't? What do we do then? Mm. If this, then what large scale thinking is a lot of what I do <laughs> while also trying to deliver my deliverables mm -hmm. um, but I think that's a really motivating factor and, and a good thing to have in mind when you're starting out and and getting a bit overwhelmed with the the day-to-day -day once the ball gets rolling and all of a sudden you're you're in the thick of it like we are at the moment mm -hmm. um, it's really helpful to have those those kind of dreams <laughs> yeah definitely I love how when we were talking before you were like so we're gonna go national and all this stuff and I was like you're five months in I love this <laughs> yeah. yeah 
this project has so much legs and i think you know if you if you don't believe in in what you're doing why are you doing it so yeah blue sky thinking you know hope for the best prepare for the worst <laughs> yeah that's good that's a good mantra in life. <laughs> yeah. yeah so excited i mean i'm already following you on instagram i've already liked Excellent. some stuff there was Thank a really good you. post about the women's football and i was like yes yeah <laughs> go girls um but if anybody else wanted to get involved or support what you're doing how can they find you um, so we're on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn as Financially Included. We couldn't get the same on Twitter, so we're Financially Inc. Oh. Uh, financially and then I-N-C-L, which is just awkward, but we're, we're there. Um, yep. We're updating regularly, just keeping people up to date on what we're doing. Um, we hopefully should start doing more kind of public consultation. If you're in Glasgow, give us a follow. Keep an eye on events we might be running. We do quite a lot of like local community engagement activities um, to raise awareness. Um, and also, if you're a woman in Glasgow that's experienced economic abuse and you want to speak to us, um, reach out on our social medias and it'll be me that picks it up. Um, so we can have a chat if you need support or if you want to contribute to the project and have your voice kind of heard and, and have a say in what we do and how you guide this project please do get in touch and we can have a chat about how you want to get involved um we have women that want to be very front and center and have their names and faces on everything and then we have women that um it's not safe for them to do that so they want to be totally anonymous and faceless and that's, and that's fine, fine too yeah so yeah um and just tell tell your friends that it's um <laughs> that it's okay to seek support before you leave um and if anyone's ever telling you about abuse don't just demand that they leave <laughs> um it's not useful for anyone um but yeah just tell your friends <laughs> and give us a follow yeah spread the word someone will get helped yeah definitely oh well thank you so much for talking to us today I'm so excited to keep following and seeing how you how it builds and everything comes out. I think it's such an important cause and support that's definitely needed. I mean, one in six women suffering. It's, that's a lot. That is a lot. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of heartbreaking. But I so believe in what you're doing. So, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us on to chat. It's been good. Oh, good. So thanks again for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode and find it useful. And of course, please let us know your thoughts or if there's anything you'd like us to cover or may in fact have your own great story or insights that you need to be shared with the world. Get in touch through our website, charitychat.org.uk. Now it's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work For Good. Work For Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good. Through their fundraising platform, they offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners and sole traders who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. Thank you also to Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit, Magda Axamit for our beautiful website, and Forest of Fools for playing throughout the show and for playing us out now. This has been your host, Freya Samuelson. Thanks again and speak to you soon.